There are some lies in our science books. Taught it for 15 years. Even though I'm not teaching it anymore, I still like to study. There's so many neat things to learn. We're going to cover some of that tonight. Perception is being managed. We are being steered and guided by a hidden hand. The whole world has been duped by the media that is not real. <laughs> smart thinking, possible time traveler, smart thinking. That night, boom, contact memory. And then, Alex, if you don't agree, you'll be sent to a re-education camp. Just because I'm old doesn't mean I've lost my touch with the ladies. Experts are suggesting that we're in a golden age of shape-shifting reptilian sightings. Now, why is that? I was, and still am, a huge conspiracy guy. I literally ran out of new tin hat topics to research. It was most definitely not capable of melting steel. Then I would be a crackpot if I thought that was that was the, the case. Thought that was that was the, the case. Welcome to the Hypothetical Institute, a podcast about conspiracies. My name is Luke. I'm Salty. I'm Cam. Welcome I back, remember Salty. If I went second for a fucking for a moment there. I was like, "Am I second? I'm just going to say it. You're away for a week. Yeah, and you're uh, you've forgotten how it all works. Yep. I'm welcome, f- welcome back, Salt. Thank you. This week, gentlemen, we're going to be talking about the Kinross incident. Whoa. Terror at 7,000 feet over oh. Lake Superior. Big lake. Is it the second? I think it's the biggest lake by volume in the world, right? Uh, one of, yeah, something like that. It's one of the Great Lakes. Biggest lake in the world. I probably should have looked that up. Caspian Sea is the world's largest lake. feel like it's a sea. feel like it's yeah. cheating. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Misnamed that one. Yeah, stop mucking around, Caspians. <laughs> like, oh, I know the Atlantic because, you know, technically it's surrounded by... Uh, Caspian Sea and then Lake Superior. So I feel like Lake Superior should get it. Mm. <laughs> what are the other great lakes? Lake Erie? Yeah, yeah. Lake Erie, Lake Superior, and Lake Michigan, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, Lake Michigan? I don't, I don't know anything about them. All I, mean, I know about the Great Lakes comes from the song Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, yeah, that came up in this. The Edmund Fitzgerald? Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. People talking about how like there's a lot of songs and stuff about this area you know yeah. i think I, one of the comments i copied was people saying you know there's so many so many things happen around these lakes people even write songs about it yeah <laughs> they're big lakes yeah like mm. there's there's quite a lot of area for people to be inspired for songwriters you know to have their muse visit them as they sit, sit up on the shore these lakes that are on the like border of both america and canada mm. Well, I don't know about that. I want to. <laughs> what, what's your problem with them? Where's the actual border? Like, are they are they all in America, and then just the coast is in Canada? No, half of them are in Canada. Like, it splits across the waterway, right? Yeah. Well, see that that's what I don't like. You're not going to find a, a floating white piece of tape. Yeah. What do you think a border is, Cam? <laughs> well, did you see that thing in France, like just this week, where? No. It's like on the border of France and Belgium, they have the border marked out with all these stones yeah. that they put in a long time ago. Okay. Right. Do you and think that's a legal requirement for a border? 
<laughs> well, no, because there's this like group of nerds, border nerds, who've been go- going for walks and checking that all the stones are in the right place. Right. And they found like some farm where the farmer had been like, oh, I don't like this bloody stone there. I'm just going to move it over here. He'd moved the border. I mean, he hadn't moved the border. He, he moved had the moved the border. The, the rock was the official border marker. Yeah, but and the border's- he'd made France a little bit bigger and Belgium a little bit smaller. And Jesus. Belgium was like, everyone was very chill about it. They were like, ha, 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 we don't need to go to war over this, but you do need to move that rock back. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody Wallonian farmers brewing up a saison. Jesus. And they're like, oh, I don't want, to, I don't want this to be a Belgian saison. Mm. French. It's gonna, move, yeah. it's gonna throw this rock a couple hundred meters that way. Yeah. So uh, the Great Lakes sorry, the Great Lakes are Superior, Michigan, Huron, Erie, and Ontario. And are they all this big? They're, They're all this pretty big. big. Yeah, okay. That's fine. But Superior is the biggest by by a long way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the rest of them are sort of on its coattails in terms of greatness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially like Ontario. Yeah, that's a little one. Erie's yeah. pretty small. Michigan's got a is a big one. Like if Lake Ontario was anywhere else, it'd be like, oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's a reasonable lake. But you you pair it up with the big boys. Mm. When I uh, when I was in primary school, boys in Wyala, yeah, went to a school called Scott Street, mm-hmm. and uh, whenever it would be particularly heavy rains in Wyala, part of the uh, like there was like a quadrangle where they had basketball courts painted on it and stuff. Mm. But off to the edge, obviously not on the basketball court part, but off to the edge, there was this big depression in the in the bitumen. Mm. And when it would rain heavy, that would fill with water. Mm. And it was Pardon. called Lake Scott. Ah. Oh. <laughs> was that like the did the teachers call it that? That was just it was just universally known as Lake Scott. Did I imagine people got thrown in there? Yep, people would run and fucking Skim along like bin lids and shit, trying to oh. fucking pretend they were boogie boarding. And yeah, that's good. Yep, you could jump in there. You got told off though. You weren't allowed to. <laughs> I bet did it anyway. I bet you come. Yeah. People, kids coming home dripping wet. What have yeah. you been doing? You've ruined oh, your uniform. Lake Scott. No, we didn't have uniforms, mate. Public no. school. Jeez. Imagine if they'd ever found a condom in Lake Scott. Like, Jesus, that would have been talked about for years. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what we're talking about. Plus, primary school camp. Yeah. Finding a, con- finding a condom at school is fucking insane news. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I thought you were referring to a specific incident that I didn't know about, but you just, the general <laughs> the general concept of finding a condom at school. I think it's like it's sort of, I don't know. I reckon that's a relatable concept. Yeah. <laughs> speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of finding condoms, let me just show you this even further. Yeah. When I was in... Uh, I went to Ostend in Belgium, right? Yeah. And I, I walked from my hotel and just walked and walked until I found the beach. And I was like, oh, look at that. It's the bloody, the coast. I found the coast. I'm looking out at an ocean that I've never looked out on before. There's big seagulls flying around. I was like, fucking hell, what a what an achievement. I've, I fucking walked to the coast of Belgium. <laughs> and then I looked down, looked down directly below me onto the beach and there was a giant fucking blown up franger. <laughs> like someone had blown it up like a balloon and chucked it on the beach. I was like, "Yep, that's 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 that fucking idea shattered." <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just fucking head back. Find we um, chips. we biked along the the waterfront in Ustend. Yeah, yeah, on our on our tour, and then it got super windy, and we got right. blasted by sand. It was very unpleasant. You see those big crumpled red things? 
like the big public art monument things there? Don't maybe. Mm, they were really cool. I do just remember being blasted by sand. It's kind of a main memory. And we got a waffle. Yeah, well, obviously. Mm. So, the only waffle I had in Belgium was at a servo. I figured that was like, you think like like we have servo pies in Belgium. They're like, I'm just going to go get a servo waffle. Oh, yeah. Why don't you go down to the artesian waffle place down the road? Nah, I just feel like a servo waffle. Yeah. <laughs> Same with uh, Italy and like paninis. Right. You get one of the servos. It was delicious. Yeah. It's way better. Yeah. Anyway, what are we talking about, Cam? All right. So, it's November 23, 1953. Deep in some underground NASA lab, Nazi scientists are trying to crack the code of hypercolor. They're like, we can't get, we can't get this. It'll be 30 years at least. We've got to do Lyme disease first. Yeah. Uh, what was happening in 1953? Sock hops, um, people were going for malts. <laughs> yep. I got, I got nothing. Yeah. I got nothing. Uh, oh, uh, racism. Was probably pretty big at the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, a little newsflash for you, Robbo. Actually, racism is still quite big. But uh, if you want to just other, if you want to other racism, that's fine. I think he, in, rather than big, he just means popular. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was in its heyday at the time. Yeah. yeah. Not saying it still doesn't exist, Cam. Malts. You could drop a bit. You could drop a bit now and then and no one really cared. <laughs> you, could, yeah. you could make it your whole kind of country and it was fine. And the, yeah. per- the perfect place to drop it was down at the malt shop. Yep, exactly. The Fonz? No. The Fonz wasn't around in 1953? The uh, Happy Days wasn't made in the 50s. No, but it was set in the 50s. Yeah. So, te- technically, the Fonz would have been around in the 50s. So, malts, you know, jukeboxes, <laughs> the the poorly designed jukeboxes that you could just play songs by hitting them. Yep. <laughs> like... That's not a sustainable business model. Have we forgotten model. what our podcast is about? <laughs> and other things. It's yeah. November 23, 1953. Yep. And over Lake Superior, a strange radar ping has been detected. <clears throat> yep. Little did First Lieutenant Felix Monkler know that soon this radar ping would change his life into death. Or abduction. We don't know. Yeah, into something else. Yeah, this is so we're talking about the Kinross incident. So yeah, November twenty three, nineteen fifty three. Uh they pick up a strange ping on the radar over Lake Superior and they say, Well, we can't be having it with that. Hmm. It's them bloody Canadians again. Yeah. It's either the Canadians or the commies or commie Canadians. Yeah. So they they're like, let's go check it out. Scramble someone in a fighter jet, an F eighty nine C Scorpion. We'll get old uh, Felix Monkler. He's a first lieutenant. He's uh, He served in World War Two, Just in, like, the occupied Japan, I don't think he actually saw a lot of action in the war. Is that right? Mm. Uh, I don't think so, no. And then he signed up again when the Korean War broke out and then was, you know, assigned to <clears throat> Michigan. I feel like in, I, do, I feel like my tone there was very, uh, you know, anti-Monkler. That's fine. Mm. I I don't quite uh, war breaking out and immediately signing up to the military seems like a poor choice to me. Yeah, maybe he's like I didn't get my chance last time. I come in at the end. Anyway, he uh, is uh, scrambled to go check this out. They can see on the radar that they've got this uh, blip over the lake, moving about. It's uh, it sort of moves about a fair bit, I think. Like it goes up and down in terms of altitude, but then. Now they've scrambled a jet. They can see the second blip. It's Felix. 
mm. flying through the air. And they see the blips getting closer and closer together mm. until eventually they merge, uh, as you would expect when someone is getting close to something else. And then they expect that they will soon unmerge because, you know, obviously they're going to fly in different directions. But when the two blips merge, they don't unmerge. Felix never flies away. And then eventually the first blip just disappears. And it like continues on for a bit and then it's just gone. Right. And we never we never know what happened of all of Monkler. And I guess um I should give a shout out to the Robert Wilson. Yeah, who was also on the plane and never gets mentioned. What was his name? Robert Wilson. There we go. So Hashtag justice for Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, they're gone. The the yep. blip's gone. So, they say, well, we better go, <laughs> you know, find Moncler and Wilson, I suppose. Even Most then, even then, <laughs> they weren't confused <laughs> about Wilson. So, I think they're somewhat hampered by bad weather. Yeah. Which also, if the weather was so bad that... uh. They couldn't mount a rescue effort. Maybe that could be a clue. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Let they- me, on the weather, can I just point something out? Mm. If we uh, if we look to the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot, mm-hmm. a song about the wrecking of the huge, huge carrier freight ship, the Edmund Fitzgerald, <clears throat> there's constant, constant referral to the weather in November. Mm. Right. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi, which is Lake Superior. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. There's also reference to the gales of November coming early. The, uh, something like about a witch. The witch of November comes stealing. Oh, yeah. The gales of November come slashing. Yep. So I'd just like to point out that the fucking weather's shit in November on (laughs) that lake. Shit enough that it wrecked a gigantic, gigantic freight ship. I like to think that Salty didn't do any research on this episode. He just remembers all of these lyrics. Pretty much. <laughs> any, anyway, I feel like actually that is true. Was the... <laughs> Cam? Got it in one. 100%. No, I did actually I did actually look at a couple of things, but... Was the yeah. weather bad? I didn't see any mention of the weather on this. The, the banger of a song, though. Weather, like, sort of... They, they could get out there to search, but it didn't help. Yeah, mm. okay. It, it affected visibility. So, uh, the US Air Force and the Canadian Air Force both got out there to have a look, but uh, they mm. could not find any trace of the plane, no trace of the pilots. Mm. There you go. Well, you know what? The lake never gives up her dead, mate. No. that well, I've That's also on one of the YouTube comments. I feel like, is that also on the song? Mm. Mm. The, the lake, it is said, never gives up her dead. Well, it, is, wonder- a, it is a deep lake. Yes. yes. A little suspiciously too deep, I am I. What do you think is happening behind the depth? Uh, it's just like, if something is too deep for the US military to go and find anything, like, we need to be coming up with something besides lakes, I think. <laughs> so, lakes and borders, you jack off. <laughs> do you think that should be reclassified as a different name rather yeah. than lake? Yeah. Something like a bit trench? Like the Marianas Trench? I don't know. Did they... No, they, they, need to, they, they need to sort out the taxonomy. Did they find some... I'm moving on from this. Did they find some wreckage at some point? Yeah, I think like years later, some wreckage washed up. 1968. Um, they found parts that were from 
a military aircraft, but no one's... That's right. The Wikipedia had a weird note of, on this one. It said they found the parts, and but uh, news reports speculated that it could have been him, his, mm. his plane, the plane, sorry, Robert Wilson. The identity of the parts was never published, and the Canadian government states they have no record of the find. Right. Yeah. Which is a really confusing note on Wikipedia with no uh, citation. Mm. So they did conduct an investigation mm. into what the blip was, and the US military eventually concluded that it was a uh, Canadian Skytrain which had travelled off course. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was off, I think it was like 30 miles off course, mm. yeah. and that's why it was marked as like unknown on their radar because it was so so far off now at the time the pilot of that plane said oh yeah that was me (laughs) this is in the u.s military report yeah however years later when he is contacted by ufo investigators he says no wasn't me Mm. was never canada also come out and say well we didn't have any planes flying in that area yeah it's like, so, no, they were supposed to be flying 30 miles away. Yeah. It's a bit weird. Like, the US Air Force investigation concluded it was this particular plane piloted by this guy, and here's a quote from the guy. Yep, sorry, that was me. I never saw this other plane that you sent looking for us, so that's that. And then the Canadian Air Force was like, nope, there were no, <laughs> we didn't have any planes there. So, not exactly getting our story straight. Mm. No. Uh, the US Air Force also concluded that Moncler may have experienced vertigo and crashed. Uh, apparently, he experienced vertigo a little bit more often than, like, average for pilots. Right. However, UFO investigators uh, discovered that actually Felix Moncler never suffered vertigo. What? Right. So- Because all the, all the <laughs> things I read were, like, old vertigo Moncler. <laughs> Basically. Who, who do we believe, though? The US Air Force that had access to his medical records? <laughs> or some guy? Uh, yeah, no, fair enough. Why, but, like, if he's old Vertigo Monkler, why are they setting him up in bad weather? I think... <laughs> to I investigate think things. The way they shoot on pilots? The way it was described as it was a little more than the normal amount of Vertigo. I guess it's the idea that everyone has a bit of Vertigo. No. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know. If you, mm-hmm. I mean, if you've got vertigo enough that 70 years later, people are still talking about it. <laughs> you, you've earned your nickname old vertigo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I feel like being a pilot, you might be more prone to vertigo than people who are on the ground all the time, like you, Robbo. I'm not on the ground all the time. You're on the ground a fair bit. I mean, yeah, but I'm sometimes up in the air. Yeah. But, like, I think pilots, like... Oh, yeah, Monkler has certainly been in the air more than I have. Yeah. He's, like, that. you're going to have more opportunities for vertigo, and so you're going to get vertigo more often. But apparently he had only had it a little bit more often than a normal pilot would have. Yeah. Now, I agree with you, Robbo. We should be looking for pilots that have zero vertigo, but I don't know if we have, the you know, the luxury of choice here. Hmm. Anyway, so they they conclude, yep, he's gotten vertigo, he's crashed. They can't find the plane because it's too deep because of the taxonomical issues we've discussed earlier. Yep. <laughs> and then nothing much happens for a while. 
some people write books about the incident. Uh, one of them is the 1955 book, The Flying Saucer Conspiracy. Yep. Which contends that he was told by a government agent that the flight actually hit a flying saucer and that they recovered bits of flying saucer. Now, with, the, with these guys, I feel like you can never tell if uh, they've just made it up or if some like government agent is actually just fucking with them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's a couple of books like that, but then nothing happens until like 2006 when a UFO researcher gets an email from some guy which has a quote from a news story, which is that uh, a bunch of Michigan divers have been down to the bottom of Lake Superior. They, they call themselves the Great Lakes Dive Company, and they have found bits of the plane. Whoa. So that goes, at, then that gets like put on message boards and things. Uh, UFO updates, the popular UFO message board. And Didn't they say they had sonar images as well. Yeah, they're like, we've got everything. We've, we're the Great Lakes Dive Company. We're, you know, we've been out there looking for stuff. A guy from the Great Lakes Dive Company goes on the radio. He goes on Coast to Coast, the sort of uh, weird... Is that Art Bell? Yeah, I don't... I, was he alive I, then? Yeah, Art Bell was still alive then. He only died quite recently. Hmm. Uh, but I think they have... Yeah, it was probably Art Bell. So, Adam Jimenez from the Great Lakes Dive Company goes on the thing. They have a website where they have a couple of pictures of the sonar. There's a lot of excitement. And then people start looking into it further and they're like, hang on, who is this Great Lakes Dive Company? (laughs) They can't find any more information about them other than this website. They can't find anything about Adam Jimenez. And then eventually they, uh, Adam Jimenez stops answering calls and the website goes down. Right. And also the original news story that was sent to the UFO researcher from, it was like an AP story. Someone contacts AP and they're like, we never published that. Yeah, no no record of the quotes, nothing anywhere. Just a made up hoax. Yeah. And the, the weird thing is the pictures that they had on their website, some like expert, uh, for, well, actually he's a Great Lakes shipwreck expert. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, yeah, they seem like they're real pictures, but they weren't made with a fish finder, which I think is what is was claimed. So real images of a thing in a lake, basically. Yeah, they're real images of, of something, but they were not taken the, the way they, they said they were. Yeah. And so, yeah, eventually people were just like, oh, the Great Lakes Dive Company was just a hoax. The weird thing is, if you go searching for the Great Lakes Dive Company now, some other group has formed subsequently, who call themselves the Great Lakes Diving Company, which sort of complicates things a little bit. You find them and then you find UFO stuff. Yeah. Um, The images, I I saw like four or five different angles from the images. Uh, They looked too, like, complete plane. Like it's a complete plane lying on the ground, right? Mm. Um, Yeah. It It didn't seem, I don't know, didn't trust it. And so the mystery of the Kinross incident lives on. Um, Now, we talked about songs earlier. Mm. I've got a song that was written last year. The ballad 
Ballad of Felix Monkler. Um, this one was constructed over social distance. This is an article I read about it, um, a, review, a review of the song. It has a hypnotic brooding feel and transcends its modern folklore roots by finding a deeper metaphor, a sense of disappearing into the unknowing that feels fright- frighteningly appropriate for the times. There's a sense of mystery here, one deepened by Mike Legio's bass and Jay Johnson's guitar, along with D. Benedito's keyboards, along with a drum beat. I like how they just listed the instruments. Like, yeah. There's mystery in these instruments, like these instruments. Um, it's a musical haze with which bass and guitar lines emerge like lights in the sky, guiding the listener deeper into the song's mystery. It's a musically thrilling experience and a surprisingly emotional one. Look, I had to listen to the song. I don't buy any of it. You weren't, you weren't moved? Uh, I wasn't moved. I wasn't, th- I wasn't particularly thrilled. Uh, what, about, what about all that unknown stuff at the start? What was that? Uh, I mean, it was just like a song, really. Yeah, no, but what did they say about the, the feeling of falling it, into the unknown? Yeah, uh, a sense of disappearing into the unknown. Yeah, I feel like 2020, you know, obviously not great, but people could still uh, feel like they were disappearing into the unknown prior to 2020, and I'm sure we'll go on feeling like that into the future. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's by Parlor Bells. I think they're a British band. Stay out of it. This is a this is a Canadian slash American songwriting experience. <laughs> yeah, um, it's kind of got like a maybe an eighties new agey uh, post punk kind of feel. Where's some? Oh. Where's the Edmund Fitzgerald bloke from? Yeah, that's fine then. Um, the other thing, oh, I've got some comments from a YouTube video about this. Mm-hmm. You want to hear the comments? Yeah, lay it on us. Uh, someone's dad was in the military in the early 50s working at a radar station in the area. He said they traced unknown blips above the lakes all the time, but they were never encouraged to discuss them. How, in the 50s, how many, like, how reliable do you think radars were? I mean, radar picks stuff up. Yeah. You'll pick up, you'll pick up stuff. You'll pick up birds. You'll pick up. Luft balloons. Mm. Yep. Does radar does radar tell you altitude or just distance? I think altitude as well, right? Yeah, yeah th- based on size, maybe. Right. Yeah, I think they can get that because uh, they knew how high the thing was that they were looking for. In terms of uh, whether you were encouraged to discuss things that you saw on the radar, actually, I feel like that probably the U.S. military has a fairly consistent. You don't need to discuss. <laughs> Anything yeah. policy? Yeah, because if you start discussing a like, if you're talking about blips, it's either invaders, UFOs, or our equipment sucks. Yeah, the, I feel like there's actually a policy of loose lips sinking ships. Uh, that is true. <laughs> that is true. In general, but also in terms of just discussing amongst yourselves, I feel like they sort of have a a line of just do what you're told. Yeah. And you don't need to discuss this any further outside of, you know, uh, boss, I can see a blip right now. Which is any job, really. Mm. You're not encouraged to discuss, no matter what job you do, your work (laughs) with the media or like someone contacts you and says, hey, I'm a UFO researcher. Tell me about your day and your job. Yeah. You're like, "Uh, probably not. Yeah. Let alone if you're in the military where... 
you know, they have entire media departments, even in the 50s they did, and it's all very, you know, like discretion is inherent in your job. Yeah, probably actually more so for the military. Like, yeah. I feel like if you're just an accountant and a UFO researcher calls you up, you, maybe you can talk to them about your job. Yeah, I, you know, numbers. They go up, they go down. Who can explain it? Uh, any more comments, Robo? Absolutely. Uh, someone commented, just when you think things couldn't get any weirder, surprise, they do. Which is an interesting comment to this video because I didn't find this one especially weird. No. <laughs> a plane went missing and there was a radar blip. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Someone else said, definitely strange and scary. Just don't know what's out there. Thanks for the great video. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there was a response from Mr. Westy. And the, the picture was a, the icon was a little West Highland ter- Terrier. So I only assume that this is a dog commenting. Mm-hmm. Um, they replied, it's not out there, it's in here. Meaning we're in something and what's out there is really in here with us. I speak from experience. There you go. Um, so this dog's really clued in. Uh, and then someone's replied, tell me more. And there was no response. Oh no, they got him. I think Mr. Westy's said too much and it's like, oh, I better I better bark on out of here. Uh and another one, this is quite a long one, so bear with me. Uh what do I think? This is from Cara Marie. What do I think? Let me start with a quote. Foo Fighter was used by Allied craft pilots in World War Two to describe various UFOs. The first sightings occurred in nineteen forty four. They were still reported in nineteen fifty three. I was six at the time. She ended the quote, sorry. I was six at the time. So why do I remember? Because in that year, I experienced something some people believe is related to UFO, which are nothing more than flying objects that no one really knows where they come from and where I come from, which is confusing. Uh, sighting, sighting were everyday thing, even then, which is why people think they are related. Plus, I saw one very close in 1963, and, now, and I now think it was related to my experience. Heck, even Christopher Columbus reported sightings, well, crossing the area of my experience. Not referring to the Great Lakes area, obviously, although I now do live in that area. Raises a lot of questions, that comment. Um, Does indeed. The the most, the big question is, I mean, I don't know why they, they said it's related to UFOs and then they explained what a UFO was, which is a flying object that we don't know where it comes from. <laughs> Thank you for that explanation. But they're saying... They've had all these sightings throughout their lives that have all been related and possibly related to Christopher Columbus who saw something somewhere else that they now live in. I've got a lot of questions for Cara, me and Cara Marie and none of them are going to be answered, I fear. No. The, just as the mystery of the disappearance of Robert Wilson continues, so does the mystery of Cara Marie. And Felix. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to correct the record. I, want I like to, it. Yeah. All right, that is uh, the Kinross incident. Yeah, um, sounded good on paper, not much to it. Yeah, he crashed. We got to talk about lakes, though. Yeah. Yeah, and, and bloody the idea that maybe we could come up with something that's between a lake and an ocean. I don't think we need to do that. No, I mean, and just uh, remember, Gordon Lightfoot is a badass. Uh, Robbo, where can they find you online? Get me at com. Salty, where can they find you? Uh, at Saltmarsh on Twitter and Instagram, andrewsaltmarsh.com for other stuff, and The Salt on Twitch for art streams. 
And you can, you can. find me at Sexenheimer on Twitter. Yeah, nah, Pastoran is my radio show on 3CR. Check it out on all the podcast places. Where can they find us, Cam? You can find us at uh, Hypothopod on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And, of course, we're on Patreon where you can uh, chuck in and get some badges and things. And thank you to Tammy and Vanessa, our cooked $33 sponsors. Thank you. Hey, folks. See you later. Bye. Bye. Don't worry about a thing. Except if all our world leaders are alien reptilians. supply contains mind-altering drugs Don't worry about a thing Except whether or not Port Arthur was a false flag operation in which to disarm Australia I said don't worry about a thing I accept You can definitely hear John Lennon say I buried Paul at the end of Strawberry Fields forever Don't worry Except not only did Bush do 9-11, but he also keeps the planes out in Area 51, which, let's not forget where all the aliens are. Don't worry about a thing, except Donald Trump is clearly a woman and you're just blind if you can't see the one you